Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Well, good morning. That was weak. Good morning. morning. Can somebody say Jesus? Jesus. One more time, Jesus. Jesus. Is there just something about that name? Is there anybody in the house? In my church, we get a little excited. I know this is a school, but is there anybody in the house that can get excited about Jesus this morning? Yeah? Yeah. Well, I only have a few minutes to speak to end this whole thing, and so I'm going to get at it. Out of respect for God's word, I'm going to ask you to stand as I read a story that you know. Would you stand out of respect? You're welcome to turn there to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord gave this message to, the, to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen the wicked its people are. But Jonah got up, went into the opposite direction, got away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their God to help and threw their cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you be asleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up, pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them uh, had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Let's pray. Lord, I ask today the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, you can have a seat. It was 31 years ago when I sat where you are sitting. I am a little nostalgic because I think there's a moments in our lives when we don't realize how important this moment is for us, what this can mean for the rest of your lives. I think of Philip, Phil, Lily, Debbie, Mark, all five of us prayed for the nations. Phil, to this day, Macedonia, Lily, France, Debbie, China, Mark, Philippines, myself, Middle East, all in worship services like this, started to dare to ask God the the question, God, whatever breaks your heart will break our hearts. And we were willing to do it. 31 years later, they're all still serving Jesus. They're still lifting up the name and they're still doing what we see every day to know him and to make him known. And today I'm called to call us to make him known. This is the most important thing. We can know Jesus all we want. How many times do you look at these and don't even let it sink in your lives? I walked out of this um, institution and I made this a part of my life. Wherever I've been, wherever I've passed, where I've, whatever I've done, this has been the call. I want to know him and I want to make him known. Matter of fact, if you came to our church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, our mission, we're in the middle of our mission series. That is it. Our mission is to know him and to make him known. And as I preach every single week, They do it with me. And I say, to know him, and they all start raising their hand. To know him, and then to make him known. And then we clap, and we get excited. Now, I don't know at a college whether that's cool or not, but my kids are all older than you, so they don't think I'm cool, so I don't have to try to be cool. Is that all right? The older you get, you don't have to be cool. 
It's real free and praise the Lord. Can I get an amen from somebody? Now, as we get to know him, which where am I? To make him known. Why is that the case? It's biblical. You live in a day and age where I will say to you straight up, if you are going to know him and to make him known in our own country, you are becoming a minority of faith. And you must make that declaration right here and right now. Why is this a reality to me? Because scripture declares it. Romans chapter 10 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one whom they not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear unless somebody tells them? And it says, blessed are those who come in the name of the Lord. Jesus clearly said that we are to go into all the world and what? Make what? Are you out there? You're not asleep yet. You can't be asleep in the first five minutes. Come on. And make whom? Disciples. And then clearly Jesus' last words in Acts 1, 8, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utter ends of the earth. In other words, what you need to understand is this is the key. If I know him, Jesus, it will be automatic that I will want to make him known. Can you articulate if you've had this occurrence in your life where Jesus Christ became a reality to you? Mine was July 28, 1982. I was so lost, so drunk, I couldn't have told you what I did the night before. But all of a sudden, I didn't even know whether God existed. I went, I went to a camp because they had good looking girls and they had sports. That was it. They didn't even tell me they were going to preach the Bible. And in that day, something happened. They said, if you want Jesus, come forward. Now, I didn't even know if Jesus existed, but I said to him on that spot, if you're real, change my life. As I came forward, I remember my teacher telling me, Veach, you're worthless. I was in stuttering classes. I couldn't read well. And all of those things, my parents were divorced. We were pretty poor in our town. And all those things were ringing loud in my ears. And I said to God, if you're real, you need to do something. He did something so incredible in my life as a 16-year-old teenager, it so changed everything about me that the rest of my life had been this, has been this. As I fall in love with him, I want to make him known. Not because somebody tells me, not because I somehow feel obligated or I feel guilty, because it's the overflow of who I am. How can I not tell other people what I've experienced? Now, you can decide whether you want it or not. It's your choice. But I, get to ch I, get to, I have an opportunity to share that with you. So today, in the few minutes I have, with that being said, I challenge this today from this story called Jonah, which you all already may know. The first thing I would say to you simply is this, verse two, God is calling. He says to Jonah, go. And I will tell you right here and right now, if you do know him, he's saying that same thing to you and I, go. The issue is not, is he saying go? The issue is where and how? And that's why you're here to figure that out. And we need to understand that it's clear to us that God is saying this to each and every one of us. He's always been calling us to go. Now, the crazy thing about Jonah is he called him to go where nobody wanted to go. Assyria, Nineveh, the hated people. Sometimes he tells us to go places we don't want to go. But if you stay where you're at, you'll be more miserable than anybody in the world. Being in the center of the heart of God is where it's all at. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, I kind of miss my church. I preach a whole lot better if I get a little interaction, all right? Anybody in a church that gets a little interactive, then say preach. If you say preach, I preach. All right. He says, go. But many of us make excuses. What are your excuses? Moses was, I, 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 I stutter. 
My kids will tell you there is a Holy Ghost because the fact that my dad is a public speaker and the fact that he learned another language is a miracle in of itself. Because if there's one public speaker that can destroy the English language, I'm it. I can't even produce, uh, pronounce W's and R's. And I speak faster than my brain. My brain goes faster than I can speak and it all gets messed up. I make my excuses, what are yours? Moses said, I, I stutter. Jeremiah, be my man. Lord, I'm too young. Isaiah, be my man. I'm a cusser. What's your excuse? We're all making them. Jonah didn't make an excuse. He just ran. He's just like, I'm not in this. How many of you understand what this is all about? I'd say clearly to you today, 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout this sanctuary to fully support that woman or that man that is fully his. He's looking today for somebody that's willing to stand up and say, I will do whatever you want me to do regardless. Jesus told us in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. I don't care what your eschatology is. The eschatology, uh, eschatology of Jesus is simple. Let's finish the mission and go home. What do you say? And this gospel will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Do you know I took Jesus literally? That's why I landed where I went. I landed because I was out speaking with Forge, many places like this, calling people out. Let's finish the mission. Very few were responding. Today it's even worse. My 25-year-old is a, as a, as a mobilizer for mission agency. She said, we are at the worst point in the history of our country. And finally, I said, you know what? I never strived to be a speaker, never strived to be a pastor, never strived to be a missionary, but I strived to make him known and whatever was there. I was like, Lord, I'll go. So my wife and I packed up. I remember it was uh, 1996, September 11th. I had a two-year-old in one arm, a one-year-old in the other. Where I went, there is no other uh, believers. Where I landed, nobody greets you at the airport. Nobody tells you how to get around. It's illegal and you have to figure out how to do it. It was one thing to tell people in a moment like this that I was going to do that. It was another thing when you do it and you're not there for two weeks or a month, but you sign up and say, how in the world are we going to do this? That's the kind of commitment that he's calling us to do. What we have sold you in your churches is consumerism Christianity, and that won't last in this world that we're in. We're in a day and age right now with our politics and with our racism and with our COVID and our mask and all this stuff. It's all, a, it's all a ploy of the enemy to get us off a mission, fighting amongst ourselves, getting the church divided, all messed up and all the cracks in the foundation. And then if we are at the end of days, the spirit of the Antichrist, which scripture declares has already been at work all over the nations, is coming front door in the United States. And we have a church that's not ready. And as a result, we are in critical days. So I stand before you as the next leaders. Say, what are you going to do about it? You're going to hunker down in a quarter? Are you going to start to compromise what you believe because it's not popular? Are you going to drink the Kool-Aid of, of society? Are you going to create new theologies to try to fit what you believe is culturally appropriate? I'm here to declare to you today that when God calls us to go, you will be a minority. and You will stand, but with one who loves you and enables you to say, I can't, but he can. That's not even in my notes. I don't have a lot of time to preach, so I'm just going to preach whatever the Holy Spirit says. Can somebody say preach? preach. God is calling us. 
and we got to go. The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? It's not an issue whether he's talking and calling you to go. You see, before I got to the unreached people group, I was in Colombia, South America in 1987 in a city called Medellin. And as I was in this incredible city, it was a very dangerous day in that year in that country. And I, my life first God gave me, I was a college student, Acts 20, 24, where Paul was leaving the people of Ephesus and they told him to stay because the word was out, you're going to die if you leave us. And he looked at them, even though this is the way churches are, stay here, stay with us, stay in the boat, stay comfortable. You weren't created for a boat, you were called to be a water walker. Only one got out of the boat, all 11 were all watching from the sidelines saying, go for it, Peter. You weren't created for a boat. You were called and created to be a water walker. Find myself in Colombia and God gave me this verse. It's like Paul. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish that race and complete that task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I'm willing to do whatever, Lord. Are you really, Mick? A few weeks later, I'm in a print press and all of a sudden I heard da 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 I was just learning Spanish just a little bit. I looked over at the lady. She was under the desk. I didn't need to know Spanish to know what I was going to do next. Next thing you know, I'm under the desk. And I'm thinking, what are you going to do in a moment like this? There was the guerrilla, uh, the kind of the rebellion um, army against the Colombian army. And they're fighting outside of our, our building. And you're thinking in a moment like that, what are you going to do? Are you spiritual? Are you really bold? Are you brave? I was thinking, I'm a gringo. They don't like gringos. What am I going to do to hide? They didn't come into our building. Holy Spirit said to me, Mick, do you really consider your life worth nothing to you? Do you really want to finish the race? Do you really want to complete the task? I said, you know I do, Lord. And then from there, we were, I was with about two or three Colombian pastors. We went up on a, a country road in the mountains. Two men in civilian clothes with shotguns in the middle of the road. And they took them to our chest one by one. And when I get nervous, I talk faster than I am now. And I was thinking, man, I'm a 21-year-old kid. They don't, who, who am I? So I just started talking. I don't know what I was talking about. Chicago Cubs win or whatever. I was just talking about something crazy. And all I, it was all so surreal in that moment. And I, I don't know how it all happened, but all of a sudden I realized we were here and all this thing was happening, all this confusion. Next thing I know, we're back in the Jeep and we're driving down the hill and the two uh, Colombian pastors, the way my Latino brothers know how to do it, they're going, hallelujah. And I looked at them and I knew what I needed to do. And I was going, hallelujah. And... The Holy Spirit came to me and said, Mick, do you really consider your life worth nothing to you? Do you really want to finish the race? I call you to go and do what I want you to do. And it was those yeses that kept me moving forward. After 10 years of serving, not having all the time to talk, but in the middle of all of that time, there's this temptation, the older you get, what I call the tour duty mentality. Let the youngins do it. I've already sacrificed. I've already been there. You following me? I was at a decent sized church and we were sending out people, mobilizing, planting churches. And then God had the audacity to tell me, I want you to resign this church. I was going into the heart of Detroit. We were going to be a multi-ethnic church. Detroit is 87% homogeneous, African-American. I said, what's a middle-aged white dude going to do in the center of Detroit? Come on, Lord. And, 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 I, I, and I was sensing he was telling me to do this. And I, God sometimes speaks to me through, like through movies, it's crazy. There's this old movie called We Bought a Zoo, or I Bought a Zoo. I don't remember the titles of movies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there's a part of it where Matt Damon's saying why he bought the zoo after his wife died. 
And he said, it took 20 seconds of courage and it changed my life. Holy Spirit says to me, Mick, do you have 20 seconds of courage left in you? I want you to quit your job. I want you to go and plant a church in Detroit. Lord, I have three kids in college. They don't pay church planners. This doesn't make sense. He says, do you have 20 seconds of courage left? I don't know about that one about the call. Two weeks later, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina at Chick-fil-A. It's all busy. I'm eating my chicken, doing my thing. And all of a sudden, I feel like somebody's watching me. I look over and I'm like, you ever feel like somebody's looking at you? There's this African-American, good-looking young man, about six foot three, bald, and he's working at Chick-fil-A, and he comes over to me. And I'm putting my, uh, my Chick-fil-A in the thing, and he says to me, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. He says, second question, are you a pastor? I said, now you have my attention. Yes, I am. He says, I have a word of, from God for you. He said, whatever it is you're about ready to begin, you need to do it in Jesus' name, and you will be victorious. It's going to be daunting. It's going to be challenging, but you will prevail. Uh, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I said, I think I'll go to Detroit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you with me? Here's what I want you to realize. Jonah ran. I'd say to you in this room today, even though you're under the umbrella of the blessing and the anointing of Columbia International University, some of you are running today. And the crazy, scary thing about it is you and God are the only one knowing you're running. Because you're not going on a ship headed for Tarshish, but you're running in your heart. And you're staying so busy and so loud, you are freaking scared to death that the Holy Spirit's going to say something to you. But he's going to chase you down. Did you hear me? He's going to chase you down. Somebody say, chase me down. Chase yes. He's calling. He always has called. Here's Jonah. He ran so much he would rather die than obey God. How do you know that, pastor? I'm, a, I'm assuming that if he'd have said in, the, in that boat, Lord, I'll go to Nineveh, the storm would have stopped. What did he say? Throw me overboard, I'd rather die. So this dude was totally in disobedience. How many of you have disobeyed God to such a point you say, I'd rather die than obey you, God? That's Jonah. But we serve a God of second chances. I'm here to tell you this morning, in this place, there are two or three or four of you that need a second chance. And if you're like me, some of you need a third, fourth, or fifth. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Come on, anybody out there, you need a third, fourth, or fifth chance. I serve a God of second chances. You with me? But you see, in all of this, God doesn't only call number two, he requires obedience. We have to say yes. Here's what I want you to realize. Your small yes will give you a big yes later. And you've got to keep staying small, say, uh, say, continuing to obey the small yeses in your life. You're getting those right now as you study. Are you obeying them? Because if you aren't, the things later won't happen. Studying your Bible isn't going to suffice, although it is important. Serving is not going to suffice, but it is important. You have to know that you know that he's, what he's telling me to do, I will do in the small things, which will give you the ability in the things down the road. Let me illustrate. From my life, from the time I was in high school to today, I came to know Christ in 82. None of my friends were believers at Marion High School. First thing I knew, God said, go share with them. I didn't even know how to share. I remember at lunch table, all I knew was I had my little Gideon Bible they gave me in fifth grade. And I was carrying it to school because I was so excited about Jesus. But I didn't know any Bible stories. 
And here I'm sitting at the end of the table with all my, with all my friends, and I pound the table. And I said, hey, guys. They were, they were gambling. They were playing cards. And it was really loud. And I remember as though yesterday because it was a step of obedience. I said, uh, uh, you guys know me. Yeah, right. I'm cool, etc." But if God were to say something to you, would you do it? Silence. Well, he told me to tell you. I can't believe I said this. He loves you and wants a relationship with you. They're still holding their cards. They totally ignore me. I'm about ready to cry. And I said to God in a whisper prayer, if you make me cry, I will never do this ever again. (laughs) In that obedience, a few weeks later, Jay Teagle, six foot 10. In my state, basketball was everything. 8,000 people, every home basketball game. Jay was our star center. After sharing in that obedience, he and I started sharing together. I invite him to our youth group. I remember at the end of the youth group, he comes walking down the aisle, all six foot 10 of him. He receives Christ into his life, takes us to the state championship market square arena, which no longer exists in Indianapolis, Indiana. Our whole entire town shows up for the championship. And he calls me the morning of the championship. He says, pray. I said, what about, about what? That they print it all. I said, what do you mean? The paper, they interviewed me about what happened and why I'm playing so well. And the morning of the championship, not on the front of the sports, the front of the front paper, the Marion Chronicle Tribune, has a photo, full photo, color photo of Jay Teagle on his, on his porch with his Bible in his lap. And the title reads, Teagle has God in life. And half the whole front page is his testimony. I was a nobody in that town. But my step of obedience allowed somebody to stand up and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? amen? And it was that step of obedience that took me on. And I ended up going to Taylor University. And that was just a few miles down the road. And then I had these withdrawals because now I'm with all these Christians and I wasn't used to this. So I took my buddy and we just started going door to door and started sharing Jesus and nobody had ever trained us. I walked up to this first door and I knocked on the door and this lady opened up the door and I said, well, ma'am, well, well, we're from Taylor University and well, we just want to share Jesus with you. What a great introduction. She said, well, come on in. <laughs> Honest to God. And for the next hour, she shows us every photo of every grandkid, great grandkid and everything. <laughs> I want to see you and I want to value you. That's all that is. My buddy heard what we did. And then the Holy Spirit said to him, there's the liquor store going and share uh, the gospel with the lady selling the liquor. So he went in and he shared the gospel with her. He's driving back to campus and all of a sudden he sees a cop with his light on. Pulls him over, asks for his driver's license. He hands it to him. He said, son, I see that you're 20 years old and I watched you walk out of that liquor store and you're not old enough for being in there. Uh, Do you have an explanation? I knew he was never going to hear what he just heard. He said, Mr. Officer, I wasn't in there buying alcohol. I was in there sharing Jesus. He said, the guy looked at him profoundly and he said, that's all good and fine, son. But next time, wait until you're 21. Gave him back his driver's license. (laughs) When he told me the story, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm 21. So I got all of those in my, uh, uh, there's like 60 of us in charge of the discipleship of our school. And so we went out and we made cookies. And we went to all of those houses and we shared and we sang Christmas carols. And then we went to the liquor store and they all stood in the parking lot and they started singing. I went in, there was nobody in the liquor store. And I said, Mary, come on out here. Put my arm around her. We were singing and I bought her a Bible. We gave her homemade cookies. She starts to cry and she said, nobody's ever done this before. 
My point is that obedience leads to obedience, leads to obedience. Somebody said, how did you get to the unreached? I lived in the Middle East, in the Islamic world during 9-11, which many of you, it's just a memory of. I was there when they were killing Americans simply because they were Americans. The American ambassador told me to alter my route. My wife for six months had a spiritual stronghold which she needed deliverance on because she, every time I left, the ambassador would tell me to, alter, to alternate my routes. She'd believe that I would not come back alive every single day. Till we said, that's a stronghold. In Jesus' name, we come against this. And it's one thing for you to say, I will die for Jesus. It's another thing to die with your wife. It's an entirely different thing when you have two little kids. And I remember in the middle of the night hearing gunfire, etc. And my mom, my mom calling, when are you bringing those kids home? I'd say to her, mom, I'm invincible until it's time to go home. Think about it. I'm invincible. I'm in the center of God's will. There's not a bullet, a terrorist, or anything that can take me out until it's time to go. But I am in the center of what God wants in my life. So I pledge my life to heaven for the gospel. I pledge my wife to heaven for the gospel. And most church and most couples don't do this. I pledge my kids to heaven for the gospel. We want it to be comfortable. God never called any of us here to be comfortable. He called us to be water walkers. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I went on the circuit calling people out. I had a young adult come to me and he uh, was all excited about coming back. And it's one thing for you to say, like Amy Carmichael, come have a chance to die. And then they do die, 28 years old, in your apartment when you're back in the States. And the team has to, about your age, carry his dead body out of the apartment. And then going to mom and dad, he was Canadian, and saying Stephen is gone. You see, for me, this is not a game. This is real. If you're here because it's culturally appropriate, if you're here because mommy and daddy are making you do it, if you're here because you can play sports, if you're here for whatever reason, I'm here to declare to you God has a greater reason to call you out and say it is time. How did the church begin? The church began by brothers and sisters willing to give their life so that we could see the power of God descend. That's the way we're going to finish the race. And I'm so far off in my sermon, I have no clue. And, and I'm in a chapel and I got a minute and 40 seconds. But I know God's got something. I'm going to ask my brother to come on up to the keyboards. Because we need to obey. And obedience brings forth incredible opportunities. You know what, folks? We don't even know what sacrifice is. Do you hear me? We don't even know what sacrifice is. I was in Uzbekistan opening up a work and I was with these brothers and sisters having a meal and they had just been in jail because they had a, had a house church. And they said to me, you know what? We were in jail for two weeks and as we were in jail, what we said to one another, we're gonna clean the jail out. That's our ministry. And as they started cleaning the jail, the policeman looked at them and said, what and who are you? And they explained who Jesus was and the people that were in charge of the jail kicked them out of jail. And we're drinking tea the entire time. And we're like, I'm like, whoa. And they're like, this is normal Christianity. This is what obedience is. You've had it easy in faith. It's time to stand up and be who you are.
Because I'll conclude with the last point, and that is this. God turns impossibilities to victories. An entire city repents and turns to God. From young to old, from the king to the peasant. I make the declaration to you today. In a few hours, I'll be headed back to Grand Rapids, and you won't even remember me, and that won't matter. But what God is starting in your heart is what's going to matter. Who in here today needs a victory? Some of you are facing impossibilities right here and right now. Go ahead, you can play. In my church, we get it going. Some of you are facing impossibilities and you and God are the only ones that know it. I'm here to declare to you whatever your impossibility is, there is a God that is waiting with his arms wide open. Stop playing a game. Some of you sitting here today, you have an impossibility called porn and you can't let go. I'm here to declare to you today, I've got a God that says you can be free. Some of you sitting here today are dealing with mental health issues and you're saying there is no way out. I'm here to declare to you, there is a God that says the impossibility can be a victory today. There's some of you that are dealing with depression here today and believe you cannot. There is a God that says you can. There is a God declaring today to you who says, this is all good speech, but you don't know my life. There is a God that says, regardless of your challenges, there is a God that is saying, now is the time to rise up. Now is the time to be my man and my woman. If nobody else is willing to, I will. William Carey said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. I want to be that individual. I want to expect great things from God today. I want to attempt great things that only God can do. Anybody say amen to that? I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. Are you willing to go there? We need it today. You're going to go to your classes. You're going to go to your lunches. But let me tell you, we win this thing. Why am I concerned for the nations? At the heart of Jesus is the nations. Revelation 7, 9, and every tribe and every language and every people group will be there. The issue is not will we win. The issue is will you join? Are you going to join the victory? Anybody here like to win? I'll ask again, anybody here like to win? There is a secured victory. His name is Jesus Christ. You hear of him? He died and he rose again. He's sitting at the Father's right hand side and he's praying for you right now. Now you can run out of this chapel right now and you can run and you can run, but he's still gonna be praying and interceding for you right now. You hear me? And Isaiah in conclusion says this, here am I Lord, send me. Here's how we're closing this out. With, all, with God and everybody looking around, I wanna say a prayer, but I wonder before you go on, if the Holy Spirit has not already spoken to somebody here. Maybe there's only one woman or one man, but you need to get up in front of your peers, stand up, stand up here and say, I wanna be prayed over because I'm saying here, my Lord, send me. That may be to the nations, that may be to a local church, that may be to the marketplace, but I know that I know that the task before us is overwhelming and what you're saying resonates with me. It won't be the masses because what I'm telling you, it may, it may cost you your life. So the vast majority of you, you'll stay seated and you'll chill. But there are some that God is calling right here, right now. The message I just gave you is the gospel according to Jesus. And the way the church was started with the sacrifice is the way the church is going to end. And he's passed the baton to you and I. Are we going to take it? So Lord, hear my prayer and do what you need to do in Jesus' name. All right, here's your opportunity. Who in this place 
would stand right now and say, here my Lord, send me and come forward and be prayed for because God wants to do something new at Columbia and in your life. Come here and stand and maybe you need to kneel. I don't care. Don't you dare come because anybody else comes because God is speaking to you right now. Why don't you come up a little bit and pray on these steps so people get in here. Come on around. start talking to Jesus. This is what we say at our church. Just start talking to Jesus. That's a good place to start. Go ahead. Just start talking to Jesus. Go ahead and tell him what it is you're saying to him, what it is you're promising him. Go ahead. Go ahead and start talking to Jesus right now. Ask the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do in each and every one of your lives. Go ahead. Start praying out. You don't have to worry about what other people are doing. If you can't pray here, you won't pray anywhere. Go ahead and start talking to Jesus. Hear our cry, O Lord. In Jesus' name, we cry out to you. We trust you. We call to you. We need your touch. We need your anointing upon these men and these women. We need you to do that today in Jesus' name. We need your fresh wind and your fresh power and you to do what only you can do today. Hear our cry today, oh God. Hear our cry. Would you repeat after me if you can mean this? Say, here am I. Say it again. Here am I. Send me, fill me, fill me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come down and fill me and give me your power. In Jesus' name I pray. May the, may the God of peace be upon you. May he do what he needs to do in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name. I want you to look up this way. And those of you out there, I'll close with where I started. It was 31 years ago. I was standing right there. And Phil and Mark and Lily and Debbie. 31 years from now, if you let me come and preach in my 80s, that will be a miracle because you all be my age. But I wonder what impact will happen. But your small yeses right now are gonna determine your yes later. God is still calling and he's not a discriminator. He's the God yesterday as he is today as he is forever. Did anybody believe that? You hungry for that? Lastly, how many of you are hungry for a revival of God's Holy Spirit? Anybody? Well, may the Lord truly bless you. Here's what I would tell you to do. You guys still use physical Bibles? If you do, find it. Take a piece of paper, write today's date, and write, I decided, and fill it in. You hear me? I decided, and fill it in, and then sign it. Keep it in your Bible. And then when the devil comes, he say, uh-uh. Because the first thing he's gonna do is try to trip you up. Gonna take you back to porn, gonna take you back to fighting, gonna take you back. You pull out the sheet and you wave it in his face. <laughs> Spit and say, I know what I made. I know whom I belong to, and I'll use victory. All right? And then the last thing is, I want you to engage others. We do this together, not by ourselves. Share together. May God help us. Amen.
We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.